Please listen carefully. Welcome to Autism in the Wild, the show that talks about what it's really like living with autism. Here are your hosts, Noah and Chris. Alright, welcome to another episode of Autism in the Wild. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Noah. Hey Noah, why don't you introduce today's guest? So, today's guest is a 19-year-old college student who's on the spectrum and currently goes to the University of Maryland. His name is Tony, and he's here to talk about his experiences as a a person on the autism spectrum in college. So, Tony, how about you go ahead and introduce yourself? So, as you said before, my name is Tony. Um, I am a rising junior at the University of Maryland. Um, I'm 19, going to go on 20 in a couple months, and I am a math secondary education double major, so I'm trying to pursue a path into education, trying to teach at some point. And I have an internship right now where I'm going to be doing educational research in the fall, which I'm really excited about. So what got you interested in math education? So I've so uh, I've always wanted to be a teacher since I was little, but the subject has just changed based on how easy it was. So I originally started with math. Then when you got into algebra, I'm like, ooh, that's a bit hard. So then I decided to switch to history because I'm 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 like a facts guy. I really like facts. I really like statistics. It's kind of, I guess, a passion of mine. So. I did history, then I kind of saw how much history there actually is in the world, not just in the United States, but around the world and the millennium that we've gone through. So I thought about, then I went back to physics. Um, I switched to computer science. That's originally what I started on University of Maryland as a CS education, computer science education, double major. Turns out there are not a lot of schools which offer computer science education. There is an um, University of Maryland was the only one in Maryland which offered the double major, so um, they ended up dropping the education portion, made it a sole computer science major, and then just based on how accommodations work with computer science, it didn't really work out to be the best fit, so I went back to math, and somehow I ended back up where I started. Yeah, that's interesting. In college, I was a math and computer science major. And in my profession, where there's some people that are really passionate about getting computer science classes into the classrooms. So hopefully we can see an improvement on that in the future. I've said I'm going to do it as a hobby um, at some point later down the road. And I have all my friends basically are either CS, math, or physics majors because all STEM is related. So they place you in dorms relation majors. So it's worked out. So I'm still keeping on top of computer science. Uh, my brother is a CS math double major. I have it around me, even though that is not what I'm going into. And from what I know about education with computer science currently, most teachers which I've talked to, they go into computer science. They don't go into an education major when they originally start out. They either go get in their graduate school or they just spend a few years in the industry and then decide to do education. So... How do you relate to autism? I, so I, I, of course, I'm one of the autism spectrum. That's kind of the first thing. I have that unique perspective. I've done, well, I'm currently also doing research. My research for the next year will be going into autism studies with a research mentor. 
um, the research mentor kind of focuses on STEM and to help people with autism. So the study which I've been reading about for the mentor, which I'm going to have is in relation to using uh, virtual reality or a behavior intervention to help with uh, life skills, transition related skills for students on the spectrum. Um, this is, these would be students on the lower end. Um, unfortunately, these would be people which learn life skills right before the grade, seeing as they aren't going to go into college. Um, this was how the study learned the behavior intervention worked and with those certain studies um i'll probably be either expanding on those or going into more with students on the spectrum the scope it depends on how COVID actually ends up being in the fall but overall i've done research i've um participated in the mris and ekgs i think they're called um and doing interviews and i've tried to advocate for other students but as a student yourself it's kind of difficult to do at first because everyone has the kind of their own biases. Um, so I think as a teacher, I'll be stronger of an advocate and hopefully someday um, I'll write a book um, that's kind of on the docket right now, but that is a TBD right now. Tony, could you share the story about how you and your family came to find out about your autism diagnosis? Uh, yeah, sure. So. Originally, so I couldn't talk till I was three years old, so the speech delay was very prevalent. Um, so I ended up going to special pre-K at a school 30 minutes from my house. There's a elementary school five minutes from my house, but they didn't offer this kind of program, so I was sent there. And basically, they originally thought it was some kind of hearing thing where I couldn't he hear as to why I couldn't speak. Um, and while that was a problem, it was not the sole problem. So then they found how... I was playing with other disabled students and what they find is disabled students are kind of drawn together, ironically enough. So when they found me playing with these similar autistic kids, they're like, maybe you should get diagnosed. Um, we ended up getting tested at children's around five and a half, five, five and a half. And that's when I originally got my uh, diagnosis. I've been tested a few times to see where I started. I started on the very low end initially and it was kind of like, if you do these things, this will help you become successful, whether it was social skills groups, and I've done a few of those, whether it was occupational therapy to just help with the fine motor skills and motor learning, whether it was just, I'm trying to think of the word, reiteration of content uh, over time. So over, over the years, it's gotten better, it's gotten much more mild um, because I was able to learn the skills. It's very intense in the beginning. Pretty much every day I was doing some type of therapy or some type of re-iteration um, of certain skills. But I guess that's kind of the story and the overlay without going into this multi-hour kind of detail. Yeah, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, Noah has a twin brother, Isaac, and they were both diagnosed uh, at 22 months with autism. And we started them in a special preschool which was super helpful. We started in, in the home, and then when they turned two, they, they moved to the preschool. Noah, why don't you share a little bit about your first year in college? Okay, so my first year college, I go to a smaller private college in Northeast Iowa, about 2,000 people, um, so very small compared to the University of Maryland. 
Um, I'm currently a vocal performance major. I went in as a vocal performance major. That hasn't changed. The first year was really good up until everyone had to leave and things kind of went downhill from there. But overall, the first year was very successful um, and I enjoyed it and I'm ready to go back in a few weeks. Let me let me ask, how many, how many schools did you actually end up applying to um, or what schools did you look at? I applied to two schools. I ended up visiting four, but there were really only two schools that were really in my line of focus that I wanted to go to, which made it pretty easy for the college for the college decision process. I, I mean, I also thought about going to a small school. Um, so the four schools which I ended up applying to, I ended up applying to four. One is called St. Mary's. It's 40 minutes south of where I live, 45 and it's in St. Mary City. It's this small liberal arts school. I believe it's a private school and it's a big minor school. There's really not a lot of majors and there's one master's program and that's education. And that's what the school is basically known for. I thought about going there for a while because I, a lot of teachers worried in high school that I would get anxiety from a big campus. So they kind of deterred me from going to bigger campuses. Although the other th three schools I looked at were medium to large schools. The school I ended up going to, University of Maryland, is of course a very large school, it's 40, 50,000 students. But I guess part of that decision-making was based off defiance of just people telling you, you can't do this. Because once you get told you can't do this a certain number of times, it kind of just ticks you off. And I'm just like, well, if they, if they keep telling me I'm not gonna go there, well, I'm gonna go there because I'm gonna show them I can do it. And that's kind of how I shape my decision. It was more of a defiance decision at first to be like, I want people to stop telling me that I can't do stuff. Because while teachers, while it's good that teachers keep that in mind, it's not necessarily the best uh, self-esteem strategy. So I just kind of did that and here we are today. Noah, did you have anybody at your high school encouraging you to attend one school or the other? Nope. Um, my decision to go to the school I currently attend was entirely my decision. It really wasn't influenced by teachers or other students or what have you. I have a question for both of you. What was the hardest thing in terms of transition? Was it the academics or was it the social aspect of college? I would probably say it was the dorms. Now, th it was more just purely based on the dorm I was li lived in rather than the living in a dorm itself. My dorm, unfortunately, was not air conditioned um, my fall semester. So when we initially got there for the first couple weeks, it was very, very difficult to sleep. I remember the, f the very first day of class, I got such a bad, I almost left my first class crying with this mad headache sleeping for only three hours a day I asked my I actually asked my roommate how he actually got stuck in the dorm for a third semester um just for reference and I asked him how did he deal with not having no air conditioning and all he told me was I just take ice cold showers before I go to sleep I kind of thought about him like well that, that just it, I don't like that idea it something just doesn't feel right so we ended up all going to the lounge and some people ended up sleeping in the lounges because it's the only air conditioned space in the entire dorm. 
I remember during, I believe it was the second week of school, I took an app on my phone, at least I tried, and tried to measure the temperature in the room over time to just determine how hot it was getting. Um, at nine o'clock at night in my room, it was 93 degrees. And I will say nobody I know can really sleep in those conditions. So I bet that pretty much everybody else can't either, unless you're just used to that climate. So that was probably the biggest challenge. And that was just with me talking to the school that I need house. I need something else because the temperature sensitivity, you wake up and only sleep for two hours, you're not going to be able to function in college because of all, all the, just the stress around you with, with everything that's going on of itself already piling on top the inability to sleep, you're not going to be ha able to handle it. So the spring semester, ironically enough, I ended up in the newest dorm on campus, the, the big air conditioned dorm. After talking to resident life a few times about just telling them about the disability and how much it's affecting me. And I thought it was a very good decision because I ended up me meeting a few people in the dorm that ended up being very close. Um, but yeah, that was th definitely the hardest part. It wasn't food. It wasn't living away from home. It wasn't anything else. It was just trying to sleep in a space. You, you never, you never think that you never take the things for granted until it's taken away from you. Okay. Noah, how about you? How was your transition? So the transition was, was a bit of a learning curve to it as everyone knows, um, moving by myself, some to new place it was fun a little hard at first but it, after a few days it kind of got into a little bit of a rhythm one thing that was really comforting for me was knowing that everybody else was in the same situation so it made finding people really easy because everyone else was continuously looking for people to be around so it was nice um i had plenty of time to like myself as well, because I need a lot of time to recharge over the course of the day. Um, I was blessed to have some t two really good roommates. Shout out to Spencer and Suk if you're listening to this. But um, I was really happy to have good roommates, met some good people, good friends the first few weeks, and it really helped make the transition quite easy in terms of like how warm I had to deal with the same thing where my dorm was also warm it was like 80 degrees probably for a solid two weeks until it cooled down. Um, so I just had fans going and then that was really about it for me transition wise. So Tony, like Noah needs some alone time to recharge. Do you have anything like that? I guess I wouldn't say it wouldn't affect me as much just because I'm a morning person, so by nature, a lot of the college students weren't awake at that time. But also, I live in a very small area when I'm not in college. The area which I live in has less than 5,000 people, and the county itself has less than 100,000. So it's a very small, it's, it's rural and small. So it's kind of nice, it's kind of roomy, but there isn't a lot of people. So I think, I think... Um, with the certain amount of people in a day definitely needs to be taken under consideration where you can only hang out with a certain number of people a day because like anybody else, it drains you. But at the same time, I feel like I was able to distance myself during the few months I was at school because I knew when I wasn't at school for the other few months, I wouldn't really be able to see those people otherwise. 
So it was kind of two different lifestyles living in one year, which is act- which was actually both fun and interesting at the same time. So, Tony, can you tell us about one of your favorite experiences from college thus far? One of my favorite experiences was just being able to see the people I, I wouldn't have been able to meet without college. So I met people who are out of state. I met someone who was 20 minutes from my house who I didn't know was 20 minutes from my house because they went to a different high school. We ended up at the same university and somehow we ended up in the same dorm. Some, I mean, there are strange stories like that all the time that you just don't hear about. But most of the people which I know are like a couple of hours for me. And unless I turn them into day trips, I usually don't see them otherwise. So just being able to see those people every day. I now have a friend up in New York, which I really like to talk to. So I really treasure those relationships. I really appreciated getting to know those people. And without the living in the dorm and being able to see those people every day, I wouldn't have been able to know those people or really know that these people actually exist until I see them. Have you found that you enjoy college more or high school more? I think it's a battle in and of itself where there are both plus and minuses to both. College, the open-endedness is really nice. High school is very fixed, which is fixed and that's good in its own asset set if you really like structure and you really just want the stuff around you. There's a, there's a lot more supports in high school than college, um, just built in the system, just because of laws that are put into place. But in, in general, I feel like I, I just liked college more, but, that, but that's also just because there's a lot more people around. So by nature, statistically, there's gonna be a lot more people, which I probably w- would enjoy. Because my school, my high school had like 1,200 people in it, 1,300 probably in total. So it's each each class is 20, 30 people. So it's like, you know the people around you pretty well, but it's like once you leave and go to college, you're not really going to know those people as well as the college people. The college friendships, I feel like you're going to be able to keep for a long time, years, maybe even a lifetime, whereas high school maybe one will stay, maybe two will stay, but not every relationship will stay because people become distant, people go to college, people start to do their own thing. So thinking about college, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced due to your autism? This this is a question I, I have thought about for a long time and it is teachers who, so a lot of teachers in, I guess, college, they haven't necessarily dealt with kids on the spectrum um, or at least when they have, they haven't dealt with them this mild because a lot of autistic students would get to college don't usually have severe autism. It's usually mild and it's usually not as detectable. So a lot of those teachers just don't understand how to handle students with autism or students with disabilities. So you kind of have to coach the teacher. So it's like you have to teach the teacher while the teacher is teaching you. It, it becomes like this whole like three-dimensional type or four-dimensional type of chess game to me. So I know multiple teachers where I've had to contact accommodations because teachers either aren't, some teachers, um, it's just because they won't respond, which is just teacher. But it's like some other times it's like, they don't know some of the things they are supposed to do and things they aren't supposed to do in relation to accommodations. And whether that is because of just not knowing better, I always like to attribute it not to malice, but to just not knowing, because I think teachers are good at heart and don't actually try to be Mad, mad or go against students with disabilities 
but yeah, it's definitely having to teach the teacher on top of just learning content that I've heard some students have no problems with. I've just been that one student, which seems to, it seems like there's one teacher every semester that you just have to let them know and you have to explain it to them. So do you start the year not letting your teachers know about your diagnosis and then just bringing it up if a situation arises or do you kind of uh, talk with them up front before the, the classes begin? So at our school, we have the accommodation letter. So it's kind of like the 504 plans in middle and high school where they give you a list of accommodations to teachers. Okay. They they can't actually know your disability because of the of confidentiality okay. um, associated with ADS. So unless I tell them I have autism, the teacher will not know I have autism. So a lot of times with college, they have the list of accommodations. But when I sit down on the first or second day of class, I usually meet with them during the first week of office hours to discuss accommodations. I usually tell them I have a disability so they can kind of understand of why I need these accommodations. Because some students have different different disabilities, so some of them have different types of accommodations. So sometimes just telling them disability and just explain to them how the disability affects you or how, I guess, your brain kind of is different working or functioning then the teacher can kind of understand because I feel like discussion is kind of the best way to change people's minds. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's probably easier just to have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with the teacher too about things. So Noah, do you have any similar accommodations like Tony has at his college? Yeah. So at Luther, they have an accommodation letter, which is the same exact thing that Tony was talking about. Um, I never really used it, to be perfectly honest with you, because um, it never really, because me having autism never really got in the way of my classes. And again, if something did come up, it would be something I would just email professor about or talk to after class and they'd be understanding about it because that. It's easier though at a smaller school because all my classes are like 20 people max. So it's the communication between professor and student is a lot easier. And it's, yeah, it's just easier in general. Let me ask this. Um, when you have a problem with a professor, like need to talk to a professor, do you tend to email the professor or do you tend to actually want to talk to them in person? So if I ever had a problem with the professor, usually I would, it depends on the situation. Usually the, the problems aren't, I really had a problem that's been really big or serious. So it's really up to me if I can just like either email the professor or just talk to them one-on-one -on -one. it's easy for me to do that since it's a small campus and I see them around a lot so and I've never really had any problems just like just telling them they're like okay we can make that work and we move on I I definitely um can say I definitely email some I think it depends on the professor honestly because of the big university for us while you may see some professors they definitely don't have a lot of time as with smaller colleges to see students one-on-one -on -one. with some professors it's very easy to email and they get back to you relatively quickly but over a couple months with a professor you kind of realize whether they aren't responsive with emails because they get to them later than if they do it during like an office hours or if you just talk to them after class I think it just depends yeah that makes sense and I, I I'm sure there are a lot of people that don't even realize that you can have something like an accommodation letter 
uh, in college. Uh, and even though you haven't had to use yours, Noah, it's it's nice to have it there in case something comes up and things are in place to make that happen. Yeah, I definitely uh, can attest that when I went through the accommodation process, I definitely have some accommodations that I absolutely need and I basically use them all the time, like extra time on exams or just preferential seating in the classroom so I'm able to see the board. Um, but I know definitely some of them are more, as you said, or a safety net where they're there in case I need them. I may not use them all the time, but they're there. Maybe I use them once a semester, but they're just kind of there just in case. Cool. Thanks for sharing that, Tony. So moving on to advice, what advice would you have for someone on the autism spectrum who is either thinking about going to college or getting ready to go to college for the first time? If I were to shrink my list down to just a few items so as to not make the list hours long, I would probably uh, end up saying apply to accommodations as soon as possible. Get to know the school accommodation process because the sooner the better because some schools have different processes than others and start getting that information and kind of start planning on it as soon as possible. Yeah. I ended up, so when I did my accommodations process, I ended up doing at the University of Maryland. I got the letter to at the university January, let's say I accepted in March to think about the four different schools. And then around March, I started to uh, look into the accommodation process. I met with them once I did all the entrance paperwork and kind of figure out the things I needed. Um, I had my parents come to that meeting so we so they could also get to know the, the accommodation people at the university I would be dealing with for four years. But I definitely say go to the accommodations process. Um, trying to stay motivated, even though it's hard, just do what you like. Just try to stay motivated. I, it, in this day and age, it can be hard to stay motivated, especially in some of these times, but just doing what you like, even if in, in your off time and just doing some of those kind of interest things or those special kind of interests or things that you're really into, it really helps getting through college. And just overall, just if somebody tells you something, take everything people say with a grain of salt because people can be right, but people can also be wrong. And while you are welcome to listen to everybody's opinion, the only opinion which really matters is yourself and what you really want to do because in the end, it's, it's your life and you only get one chance. Yeah, you tend to know yourself best, right? You're the one with, I mean, here's how I put it, I'm the only, I'm the one who knows how to, how to probably handle my disability the best because I've lived with the disability. And I I think that's the best advice for people with uh, disabilities because they are the ones which lived with it. So they probably know themselves the best after living for 18 years, 17 years by the time they go into college. So, and hopefully they succeed. Yeah. So no, after being in school for one year, what advice would you have? Okay, so um, a few things I learned my first year um, include the following, really. Um, be organized. Um, it's knowing where things are and having things set up in a way that you know that you can be most efficient is very good. Keep a consistent schedule. I know that college is a lot more like you have a lot more flexibility with things, but having a 
like certain things like I'm going to go eat meals at this time because I know a lot of people are bad at eating meals in college but like I always eat breakfast like at 7.15 have dinner like 5.30 lunch around noon technically around every day enjoy college while you can um just have fun depends on how things are going to turn out here with this whole covid thing if we're going to be there for a week or a whole semester or whatever but enjoy it while you can and yeah that's really all the advice i have so tony i'm a parent so what advice would you give other parents as their child gets ready to go off to college i so i would also tell the parents to look in um like with students to look into the disability process that's kind of the first thing to think about and the parents themselves can stick up for their students. Um, be okay with, with questioning. Be okay with questioning your teachers. Try to figure out their mindset. Try to figure out what they're thinking. Be, I mean, I know my parents, they didn't try to like batter down teachers, but they would question teachers because they, get, they want to understand their mindset. They kind of want to understand when they're doing your IEP with you, with your 504 with you. They want to understand what they're doing or what they're thinking as they try to accomplish these goals that are in your your accommodation paperwork and as they see you move on what kinds of things they look out for what kinds of things they are having abundance of caution about I think it's more of you, you want to work with teachers but at the same time you're more than welcome to ask them questions they are just like te just like parents just like teachers just like students we all have make mistakes and we all don't know everything and while and while teachers do teach um they also can make mistakes yeah that's that's good advice and one thing we've tried to let noah do is just kind of be on his own we don't check in on him consistently we just kind of let him do his thing uh, we do have kind of a thing where if my wife or i text him uh, all we really need is uh, kind of a thumbs up or something in response just to kind of let us know he's still doing okay. So I think that's good. Um, and I would just say, as a parent looking at the students, um, you know, try to try to do a bunch of activities that you've never done before. Um, go attend plays, try to join clubs. Just put yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone because that's that's where you're going to find. Um, where you're going to grow you might find something you never knew you liked so i would always suggest doing things like that yeah it, it's definitely sometimes you got to force yourself to do things because yep. you're in your comfort zone you want to stay in your dorm room sometimes it's, sometimes you don't want to go find people because a lot of autistic people are very introverted but sometimes it's just having to force yourself to go introduce yourself to people to go hang out in the lounge even if you're not talking to people just hang out in the lounge so people see your face and that you're present in the dorm someone might be interested and walk up to you or as i've had i've just had where people talk about something that's interesting in mine and i can go up and talk to them and then we get in a conversation sometimes it's just waiting for the moment but just being there and having people see you is kind of the thing Tony, anything else you'd like to share or any other advice before we uh, wrap up this episode? Um, I guess thank you for having me on. Um, I really appreciate sharing kind of my thoughts and experiences. Um, I, de I definitely, this this is definitely new um, and it, it was definitely a worthwhile experience, but I guess overall keep doing what you're doing. Um, 
and hopefully he keeps going well for Noah and hopefully he graduates, get into a job he likes and it works out later down the road. So he succeeds. Um, not a lot of autistic ch- children succeed, unfortunately, but is it's very, you have to be very proud of yourself when you're one of the few um, who gets the opportunity and the kind of intervention necessary to succeed. That's great, Tony. Thanks for sharing. And, and thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate you having having you on the show and really appreciate your openness and honesty about your experiences. I think it's really important for people to hear directly from those who live with autism. I think that's the best way to understand uh, what it's like to, to live with autism, right, Noah? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else for today's episode, Noah? Nope. I think we're all good. All right. All right. Well, thanks to Tony for joining us and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.